Wow, that was outstanding, awesome. And uh, well, one week before Christmas, you know, and uh, I would encourage you next week to bring your pre-believing friends and relatives. And I always tell the people, you know, uh, just tell your friends, just tell your relative, your mom, your dad, your siblings, hey, Christmas, lah, can we go to church together as a family? You know what I mean? So just tell them like, once, once a year, lah, you know what I mean? All right, come, come, they worship God together. And because we have items and so on, they'll enjoy it. But more important than the program, I want to believe that salvation will come to a lot of households. Amen? Salvation will come to a lot. Come, let's give God a cap offering. Let's believe it. Shall we do that? Let's believe it, not only in SIBKL, but also in all the churches across the length and breadth, east and west of Malaysia. Amen? That salvation will come to a lot of households this Christmas. All we need to do now is just invite them to come and let God do the rest. Yep. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, so, so today, I'm going to close the year's teaching with an overview of the book of Ruth. It's very unusual that we end the year with an overview, you know what I mean? Because uh, overview means this is the first uh, uh, sermon on the book of Ruth, and then we will go into more detail next year among other books that we study. I won't tell you yet what other books we study. It will be in the New Testament, and we'll, I'll do that on the 1st of January. In fact, what I share with you today on Ruth, A New Beginning, is one of a quadrilogy of sermons. And I wanted to say quadrology until I googled, and the first sentence or the word quadrology is, if you talk of quadrology, you are an ignoramus. That's Google, you know. <laughs> Serious, huh? He says there's no such thing as a quadrology. Quadrilogy, yes. So I said, oh, dear me, I was an ignoramus. Quadrilogy means four sermons, one after the other. Trilogy, quadrilogy, tetralogy, Pentology, hexilogy, heptology, octology, nonology, decology. There's no such thing as biology. Eh? <laughs> so this is one of the quadrilogy of sermons. Today, a new beginning. Next week, God with us. At watch night service, I'm going to share with you a powerful sermon that will prepare us for the new year entitled, Unknown Future, Known God. And then on the 1st of January, the final sermon of the quadrilogy, Taking Frontiers. So today, overview of Ruth, a new beginning. We have done Judges, just finished it last week, and actually today was not meant to be Ruth. It was meant to be the last couple of chapters of Judges because it was so grotesque, too gross, you know what I mean? Because it talks about cutting a, a woman, a, a prostitute into many parts and sending the parts to all over Israel. It's too grotesque to end the year with that kind of narrative. So we decided sometime a couple of months ago, we will not study the end of Judges, but begin tonight, today, on the overview of Ruth to end the year 
and also to prepare us for next year when we will start our pulpit teaching with the book of Ruth. I have entitled it A New Beginning and I will share with you under these five headings. The importance of Ruth, why, why is it so important? General comments on the book of Ruth, outline of the book, and then the crux of my message would be on four powers. The key themes of the book of Ruth is encapsulated in four powers, four kind of powers that is actually at work in our lives. And if we contextualize it and understand these four powers that is focused and themed in the book of Ruth, our life will be changed. So this is where we will go, and then after that, I will conclude. So let, let me share with you, first of all, on the importance of Ruth. I'm going to state it obvious. But the obvious sometimes is important. The obvious is this. Ruth is the link between the book of Judges and 1 Samuel. So it is Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel. So why is it important that we have Ruth between Judges and 1 Samuel? Because Ruth provides a vital link between Judges and 1 Samuel, which initiates the era of the kings and the prophets. In other words, Ruth is a new beginning. Of all the things we have heard about judges, all the grotesque and gross narratives, somewhere along the line, Ruth features to tell you and tell me that while in the midst of gloom and doom and darkness, encapsulated in the entire seven narratives of the book of Judges, actually God was working behind the scenes. How do I know? Judges ends this way. The book of, Judge, of Ruth, the events of the book of Ruth, actually happens during the period of the Judges. How do I know? The last verse of the book of Judges in Judges 21 verse 25 says, in those days, Israel had no king. Full stop. And then you turn over the page, Ruth 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, the narrative of Ruth began. Which judge? Don't know. But it tells me one thing. In the midst of gloom and doom, in the midst of the spiraling downwards of, of, of morality, of all the infidelity and the idolatry of Israel, all the narratives of cycles of coming back again, you would have thought that, oh, no more hope for Israel because they're spiraling downwards, become worse and worse. No, no, no. In the midst of all of this, God was at work. God was already preparing a new beginning, not only for Israel, but for mankind. In the time of the judges, Ruth began. In other words, this God. This is God. You might have think that, God, why are you so silent? But 
when God is silent, God is not absent. Where do you think God is when God is silent? The answer is, He is where He's supposed to be, on the throne. Do you think that when God is silent, He has abdicated from the throne? No. When God is silent, God is still on the throne in control. Don't you think so? So when God is silent over Malaysia, over the previous years when all these things happened, where was God? You think, God, where are you? God says, I'm still here. God is still on the throne. God is still working. And so in the, in the, in the time of the judges, the narrative of Ruth began so that things can unfold to give Israel and mankind a new beginning. And that's how Ruth ends. Four chapters, 85 verses, that's all. Very small book. Ruth ends this way. The last verse of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 22 says, Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse, the father of David. Who is David? He didn't say King David, huh? David. David was not king yet. But David, he's the greatest king of Israel. And from David came the lineage and genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter 1, right? There is hope. And from then, 1 Samuel, the era of the prophets, the era of the kings began. In other words, Ruth encapsulates hope, a new beginning. And I cannot put it better then Professor James Watt, John Watts, when he said this, the book of Ruth opens with no king in Israel following the book of Judges. It ends with the bringing in of David, the man after God's own heart, who was God's anointed king. Were this little book omitted from the canon of Scripture, it would be an irreparable loss a most important link would be missing between the judges and the kings. In other words, Ruth is very important. Without Ruth, there is no king. To be very specific, without Ruth, there is no King David. Ruth, to me, as I prepare this message to close the year and to prime us for the new year, is a breath of fresh air. A fresh start, if you like. Something to close the year with. Hope, harapan. Whoa! And this is very important, not only for you, for me, for our churches, but also for our nation. Don't you think so? So if I were to put Ruth in a timeline, it would be this. Judges, no king. Samuel, King David. 
and in between, Ruth. My wife and I were in London to visit my son who, re- who lives there in October this year. And if you go to London, please go and see this musical in West End called Back to the Future. It is one of the best musicals we have ever seen. And I'm not exaggerating. It's very, very good. I won't tell you what happened, all right? But how many of you have watched the movie starring Michael J. Fox, Back to the Future? Raise your hands. It tells me what age you belong to. <laughs> Michael J. Fox is still alive, by the way. Huh? And he's recovering very well for Parkinson's, am I right? Yeah. In this story, Marty McFly had to go back to the past to make sure that his future mother and his future father meet at a college dance and not only meet, but fall in love some more. Because if they don't do that and if they don't marry, there would be no Marty McFly. And Marty McFly would not exist. So he had to go back to the future and manipulate and engineer in such a way that his future mother and his future father will meet so that there is a Marty McFly. The book of Ruth is back to the future for King David. Because if Boaz had not met Ruth, get married, there would be no Obed. And if there is no Obed, there is no Jesse. If there's no Jesse, there's no David. If there's no David, oh no. Oh no. It cannot happen. Almost inconceivable one. They must be a Boaz. They must be a Ruth. They must be a love story. So that it underpins and undergirds the greatest love story of all. Incidentally, Boaz comes from a tribe of Judah. Is it accidental? Out of this union came the lion of the tribe of Judah. That even in Revelations, as the scroll was opened, who is worthy to open the scroll? The lion of the tribe of Judah. And the book of Ruth is very important because without Ruth, history and the destiny of mankind would have been changed. Now you know why we study Ruth. Eh? It is so important, understand? It's absolutely important because Ruth is a new beginning for mankind in the midst of all the gloom and doom. And I want to apply here. I want to make an application. So as I prepared this overview, as I told you, uh, it was not meant to be one, no, right? Uh, it wasn't meant to be, right? But somehow we decided, ah, yeah, let's do the overview. Lah. And pastor, you do all three. Lah. Okay, I do all three. So that every, every service had to listen to this so that we are ready for next year, my, am I right? 
So, I sense in my spirit that God is saying to some of you, if not a lot of you, you need a new beginning. I, I, I don't know what has happened to you this year. I'm almost very sure that a lot of things were good, but a lot of things were not so good. And you wish it didn't happen. It wish, you wish that it didn't occur, whether it be your personal life, your choices, your family, your children, your grandchildren, your, your siblings, your parents, your businesses, your career, your relationships. I don't know. But there are certain things in your life this year that you wish it didn't take place. Today, at the close of this year, as I preach this message, I want to believe that God is offering you a new beginning. Do you want to believe it or not? If not, you will close the year, Kesara, Sarah, as before, and then you enter the year, same. No, no, no. We want to close the year well and enter the year well. And today is the last sermon of the pulpit before we go to Christmas next week and then after that is the 1st of January, you know. So I want to say this to all of us. We need a breath of fresh air from God and the good news is this. The Lord offers it to you. Ask you. I will restore back to you the years the locusts have eaten. I will give back joy. You know, I prayed for some people today, yesterday, the first service, and this morning. And the thing that came to me is that God will restore back to them couples and families, laughter once again, love once again, joy once again, peace once again. These are themes of Christmas, right? And we are not just going through the motions or the season, all the hype and all the stencils. No. I want to believe that as well as the Word of God is preached to you today, you take it, you take it, you internalize it, you contextualize it, make it your own. That God wants to really want to give you a new beginning. Will you believe it? Will you accept it? The past is the past. Let go and let God. Forgive me for laboring on this point. And I do not think it is coincidental that we, that we close the year with the book of Ruth and then begin the year with the book of Ruth. Because it's a new beginning. And it's not a one-off thing. It's a process. The key is, do you believe it? Will you receive it? And trust God that in the midst of all the gloom and darkness that has happened in your life and your family over the year and over the last few years during the times of COVID, that now a new era begins. And this is the same for our nation. Don't you think so? How do we know that a few weeks ago there was gloom and doom? Don't you think so? We could not believe what 
is happening today has happened. Why? Because it is a new beginning for Malaysia. If you believe it, give God a clap offering. Come on. Don't you believe it in the, in the balcony? It's a new era. Now, how things will pan out, we don't know. Understand? But so far, so good. Do you think so or not? So far, the government seems to be making the right moves, the right decisions. Now, people say, hey, pastor, you know, I, I tell you, uh, this government will last only two years. Three years. No! It will last five years. Amen? It will last five years. And Malaysia will rise again. Malaysia will rise again. And we will be an Asian tiger again. Amen? Wow! And we will roar again. Amen? Whoa! Not only the Lion of Judah roar, the Lion of Malaysia also will roar. The Tiger of Malaysia will roar. Amen? We will rise again. But we have to believe it. Understand? It's not something we mouth it, something we talk, talk, talk over the table, talk. No, we believe it. Same for your life, my life. In the context of a new beginning for the nation, I want to believe that it's a new beginning for the churches in Malaysia, for you and for me. The only way is for you to contextualize it and receive it and not let it run off like water on a duck's back. To compound my my premise and my sharing with you that as we end the year with the book of Ruth, Ruth is the eighth book in the Bible. And eight in the Bible is always a number of new beginnings. Always. So I've compiled for you for information. It's not exhaustive in, by any means, nor is comprehensive, but it's the best that I can think through that six days why I share with you that eight is a, is a new beginning and, and Ruth is eighth book in the Bible, not by coincidence. God created the world in six days. Seventh day, He rested. Eighth day is a new day. Seven days in one week. Tomorrow is a new week. Monday. Eight people survived the flood in Noah's Ark. Only eight people. And as they came out of the Ark, they saw the rainbow. It's covenant. And God said exactly the same to Noah as He did to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. It's a new covenant of God to Malaysia, to you and to me. It's a covenant. It's a new day. It's a new beginning. Now, whether you believe or you don't, it doesn't matter. The sun will rise, the sun will set. It doesn't depend on whether you believe or not. It's a new day. Every Hebrew son has to be up to today, circumcised on the eighth day. Why? Uh? Covenant. Covenant. God is a God of covenant. It's not whims and fancies depend on our moods. No. He's a covenant-keeping God. And whatever He says, He will execute. He will do it. The key is, do you believe it or not? The New Testament, strangely, was penned by only eight men. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, James, Peter, Jude, and Paul. Eight men. 
And after the resurrection, strangely, Jesus only appeared eight times. Not seven times, not nine times, to various people. And more important, the word Jesus, the number and the name, in Greek, adds up to fat, fat, fat. Eight, eight, eight. Come on, let's give her a cup of reason. Amazing. Do you think this is for tweeters? If I add it all up together, hey, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to me? As we study the book of Ruth, come on, believe it, understand? Contextualize it. Make it your own. I don't hear a lecture on it. What for? The Word of God is the Word of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. So make the Word become flesh. So that after Pastor Chu has finished, you carry the Word with you. The Word becomes flesh. This Christmas. So I want to share this with you, my friend. Listen to me very carefully. What I share with you today as I close this year is very important. You take it seriously, those here and those online as well. That after all the years of teaching, after this year of teaching, and it is not by accident that we close the year with the book of Ruth, with a new beginning. Don't you want a new beginning? What's the outline? Very easy. Four chapters. First two chapters, main character, Ruth. Chapter three, chapter four, main character, Boaz. First chapter, about Ruth, the mother-in-law's loss, and I'll share with you what happened. Chapter two, is about the daughter-in-law's loyalty. Chapter 3 is about Boaz. Chapter 4 is about Boaz. Chapter 3 is the love of the Redeemer kinsman. And we will explain to you a little bit more, very significant what it means by the Redeemer kinsman. And then chapter 4 is the lineage of King David. Now, it's amazing, right? It's a really amazing that Julius Subi, was it last week, when he spoke at the Malaysian United Firewall, at the launch of the 40 days. Do you know that at the moment now, the Malaysian United Firewall is going on a 40 days, 24-7 of prayer. You don't know, right? Now you know. Come on, let's give up our offering. Isn't it amazing? The churches in Malaysia, 40 days, goes on till January, just before Chinese New Year, 24-7, you know. While you sleep, they are praying. Why? Don't you think the government needs our prayer? You think finish election, that's it. Lah. You know, like evil forces are trying to bring down the government as I speak. So they pray. They pray. It's so important to continue to believe that God is working. Understand? That Julius Subi said in, in Ruth chapter 4, when, when Boaz redeemed Ruth to be his wife, he not only redeemed Ruth, but he redeemed the land. He redeemed the land. Malaysia is redeemed, understand? Is redeemed. There is hope. Do you believe it or not? Don't give up. Don't, are you true or not, pastor? Two years finished. No, no, no. Don't
Don't say that. Don't say that. God has given us a new beginning. Let's believe in it, all right? And the way to believe it is not, yeah, one day I feel, one day. No, it's nothing to do with feeling or sentiment. It is prayer. Continue to pray. You know, when Boaz met Ruth, he was a totally changed man. Why? Because before Boaz met Ruth, he was ruthless. <laughs> the four key powers, Book of Ruth. If you understand these four themes of the Book of Ruth, as we unpackage it for you next year, it will totally change the trajectory of your life. And I don't say that because it is part of my message. I experienced it in my life. What are the four key powers that I say to you that Ruth, even though it is a narrative, is power-packed, these are the four key powers found in the book of Ruth. Number one, the power of choice. Number two, the power of identification. Who do you identify with? You can't tell me I don't identify with anybody. Eh? Every one of us identify ourselves with someone something or some value. What? The power of God's favor is found in the book of Ruth. And finally, the greatest power of all, the power of love. Because Ruth is a love story. Firstly, the power of choice. Ruth chapter 1 is so important because it lays the groundwork of the entire narrative that links Judges to the first Samuel. And it begins this way. In the days when the judges ruled, there was famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab, the man's name was Elimelech and his wife's name, Naomi. In other words, they were Jews. And not only they were Jews, they were from the tribe of Judah. What? Yes. They were destined for good. And what happened? The names of the two sons were Marlon and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem. Bethlehem? Does it ring a bell? Something is, wow, something is... Not, is moving together something. Judah, Bethlehem. But they made the wrong choice. They decided to migrate. I'm not against migration. Don't get me wrong. They decided to migrate of all places to Moab. That is migrate Australia, not to Bethlehem. Moab, oh. 
Moab is a godless place. You're taking your children from a God-fearing environment into a godless place. Why? Uh? The pasture is always greener on the other side. It doesn't matter even if my children marry non-Christians. It doesn't matter even if my children don't go to church. It's okay. I'm not against migration. But why? So for Elimelech and Naomi and the two sons, they went to Moab, thinking that it was a safe place. But in the process, the two sons married Moabites. What? The Moabites are enemies of Israel. What? And in the process, Elimelech died. Those two sons also died in one stroke. Three widows. Naomi, Ruth, Opa. And Ruth was so, not Ruth, Naomi was so upset, angry, not angry, bitter, disappointment, sad. He says, don't call me Naomi, which means sweetness, but call me Maran, which is bitterness. I'm so bitter because my stupid husband made the wrong choice. <laughs> so Naomi spoke to the two daughter-in-laws. You choose to come with me because I'm going back to Bethlehem or you stay. See? The power of choice. The power of choice. Opa decided to stay and she was never heard again. Ruth made this incredible statement that is probably one of the most important verse and declaration in the entire Bible. What did Ruth say? Don't urge me, saying to his, her mother-in-law, to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Come, read this with me. All right, read the, read the bowl with me. Can you do that? Can you all read the bowl lines with me? All right, are you ready? One, two, three. Where you go, your people will be. Wow. A Moabitess, you know identified herself with the chosen people of God. She made the right choice. And I want to say this to you, my friend. I sense in my spirit that some of you are in the crossroads of your life where you have to make a choice regarding your future, regarding your, your, your career, regarding your family, regarding your business regarding your relationships. I don't want to say this. Some of you are going out with non-Christians. You decide. Under a, a non-Christian atmosphere, where will your children be? You tell me. You tell me. Critical decisions of your life. 
You bring it to God and you make the right choice. John Maxwell says this. It's a matter, life is a matter of choices. Every choice that you make makes you correct or not. All of us are a product of our choices. You cannot blame God, right? Hey, God, why are you like that? Huh? Hey, you made the choice to leave the church, man. You made the choice to do this, man. You made the choice to do that, man. You made the choice to marry this woman, man. Hey, please, huh? don't blame God. Huh? Please don't blame God. It's a principle of your free will. You choose. And all of us are a product of the choices that we make in life. And this is not John Maxwell's quote, Pastor Chu's quote. <laughs> Don't go where the goodies are, go where God is. Amen? Amen. Amen. Don't where, where, go where the goodies are. Go where God is. Because the evil one will put candies in front of you and you are like a child. Just follow. And I will share this in the watch night service when I quote Romans chapter 12, verse 2. When we are to renew our mind and present our bodies as a living sacrifice every day, so that we know what is the perfect will of God for our lives. And I will say this to you, I, 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 I will say this to you, and I will repeat it in the watch night service. We are to renew our minor, not remove our minor. God never asks you to be brainless, understand? The fact that you're so clever doesn't mean anything, one, no. It just means that it, a lot of clever fools around, one, no. You know that? It's wisdom, never, never cleverness. Understand? It's wisdom. It's the alarm of God. Jeremiah chapter 6, I stand at a crossroads and I ask for the alarm, the, the wisdom of the ancient of days that will, that will guide you, that will tell you what is right, what is wrong. Don't go where the goodies are. Go where God is. You know, many years ago, you know, um, when, I, when I go to cells or when I visit uh, whatever, or when I'm, my wife and I are put in a hot seat in a, in a forum, you know, and we are asked questions. So uh, adult cells are very kind to us. They will say, ask us about predestination, la, you know, that kind of thing, la. But when I sit in front of the young people, uh, they are not so kind. <laughs> and they ask me questions like, Pastor, have you ever failed before? I can't bluff one, though. I've got to tell one. But a more piercing question is this. Pastor, have you ever thought of giving up? Whoa. And my answer is, yes, I have thought of 
throwing in the towel. One time. One time in my entire life, Pastor Li Chu and I thought, it's enough! Give up! When? In the early days. When SIBKL was started in uptown Damansara, in the corner lot where RHB Bank is at the moment. That's where we were, third floor. 15 of us, one five. All older folks, all small kids, the rest, and my two boys, struggling week after week. SIBKL, what for? But never mind, just persevere. But more important was my two sons. They were teenagers. We came from Sabah after spending 14 years in Sabah. All their friends were in Sabah. Both school friends as well as church friends. And we heard at that point in time that Sabah was doing so well and my two sons was languishing and they don't want to come up to the service. Every time we had a service for months, they would stay in the car downstairs, refuse to come out. What do I do? Scold them? What do I do? Slowly, I saw my son dying spiritually before me. I saw my two sons languishing before me. It hurts, you know, it hurts. Come a time when my wife says, give up. Give up. You know, I, I can give up my life. I can give up my profession, everything. But when my two sons are dying spiritually, do you think I, I, I would? No, I cannot. I cannot, Lord, I cannot. Give up, Lord. So we prayed and we heard the Lord speaking to us in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. Powerful verse. Moses said to God, if your presence don't go with me, I will not go. I says, Lord, when we go to Saba, will you be with me? So we stayed long. And the rest is history, understand? Because we stayed, slowly, the Lord brought in the best young people in entire Malaysia. We grew to about 80 to 100, 90% young people. And today, many of those young people are full-time pastors. Pastor Lindy, Pastor Andy, Pastor Daniel. They were with me. And they grew with me. And today, they're serving God full-time. And the, and the church grew and grew and grew. And as I became, what it is today. Strong, excellent, dynamic. Influencing the nation. Impacting generations. But God tested me. Like, you decide, my friend. You decide. But my encouragement to you is make the right choice. Just yesterday or Friday, someone in my conversation with a person asked me, what is my secret of making right choices? And God is blessing you. I told this person five secrets and it's not in my script. 
and I will mention this more next year. Number one, what are the five things that underpins, guides my decision-making? Number one, guard your heart. Make sure there is no anger, no rancor, no bitterness, no unforgiveness. Guard your heart. Number two, do and decide what is right and righteous before God. That's what making the right choice. So that whatever you choose, where is God? So you do what is right and righteous before God to honour Him. Number three, have a gratitude attitude. Always have a thankful spirit, not a complaining spirit. Hey, Pastor, I don't have this, I don't have that. I don't have that. Hey, please, lah. The very fact that you are here, isn't it a blessing? Hey, listen, I, 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 I thank God for small, small things. Honestly, I renewed my passport on Thursday. You know, the passport officer is packed, you know, nowadays with the, with the, with the, with the school holidays, right? And I was told, hey, you've got to wait from morning till afternoon. No. I went there and I got it done in 50 minutes, 5-0. Isn't it amazing? Warga Elmas, man. Senior citizen, man. I was blessed. Wow. And I, and I was so blessed. Hey, many things I won't tell you, lah. I'm blessed because I've got two wonderful grandchildren. How many of you are grandparents here? Raise your hands. Isn't it wonderful to have grandchildren, eh? Yeah. Hey, come on. There are many things in life that you can be thankful for. Please, uh, don't have the SVS syndrome. Uh. You know what the SVS syndrome? Celine Dion has it. Called the stiff person syndrome. Open your mouth, also cannot open. Uh. You're stiff. Wag your tongue, la, and thank God. La. Don't have the SVS syndrome, la, for heaven's sake. There are many things in your life you thank God for, man. Thank God. La. You agree with me? Let's give God a clap offering. Amen. Thank God. Thank Him. And the other two things, five secrets I told you, huh? love the house and then have a generous spirit. The key is this. Choose wisely. Secondly, very quickly, is the power of identification. The second power that we're going to unfold as we study the book of Ruth next year, it is the word of God, is who do you identify with? You tell me. You are a Christian, for heaven's sake. Don't you remember that your name is written in the book of life? And because you are a Christian, you are Christ in. Everything that you do, everything that you, whatever thing, you give glory to Jesus. It's you are. Huh? I got this multi-million dollar thing. It's you are. For heaven's sake. It's God. The key is you identify yourself with Jesus. When I was a, 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 a doctor, 
I decided the moment I graduate in my working life, I will intentionally glorify and identify myself with Jesus, whether to my patients or whether to my colleagues. So I, 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 I shared this with the second service, that when I was a houseman in GH Hospital KL, you know, the first day I, I looked for the Hospital Christian, Christian Fellowship. I choose to identify myself. And he was so happy that a doctor is there helping them. So I, I ministered with them I, as whenever I can. I joined their, their meetings every week. And, and I crowned the entire year, only one year at that, that those days, Houseship, with organizing the first ever, I don't know whether it's been repeated, evangelistic rally in General Hospital Kuala Lumpur. Hey, patients came, doctors came. Why? Because I got permission from Datuk Pile. Datuk Pile loves me, likes me. I was his favorite houseman, you see, because I was very good. <laughs> I was a good doctor. I know my work. So when I asked Datuk Pile, sir, say, can I have permission? He said, no problem, when, uh, Dr. Chu, no problem. And you know that at the end of that year in GHKL, hundreds of patients and staff were saved. Why? Because I choose to identify myself with the Jesus. You decide. You decide. What values do you want to identify with? Who do you want to identify with? The power of identification. Your God, my God. Your people, my people. And I want to say this. Specifically, I want to say to those of you who have been visiting SIBKL for some time now, you come and you go. You come and you go. You love the sermons, but that's all. You don't want to identify with us. You don't want to be part of us. You're spectating all the time. Can I encourage you? Hey, please, uh, decide. Lah. A rolling stone gathers no moss. Understand? If this church is not good enough for you, there are plenty of good churches around one, no? But the key is this. Belong. You must choose to belong. Why? Because you will be buffeted left, right, center, and there's no covering for you. It's the whole principle of spiritual covering. It's a kingdom principle. You know, many years ago, Every, every member, before they become member, have to see me one, no? I interview them, now we can't. Because every time we have 100, 200 people applying for membership, I can't. But olden days, it be 10, 20 only. You know, one question I, I ask every potential member as they see me in my office, only one question I ask you. If you want to be a member of SIBKL, answer me this one question. No, I won't tell you. Of course, I won't is this. Ever since you came to SIBKL, have you loved Jesus more? Ever since you have come to SIBKL over the last months, have you loved Jesus more? Not the program, not the church, 
but have we led you to love Jesus more? If you say yes, this is your church. Understand? No other reason. No other reason. The power of identification. Thirdly, the power of the favor of God. When you make the right choice, when you identify rightly, it follows that the favor of God will follow you. You will make the wrong choice for selfish reasons and bring God in. God cannot bless you. Listen to me. But when you choose right, when you honor the Lord, God will bless you more than material gains. Understand? There are many things in life money can never buy. The favor of God follows you. And those of you for whom I've been praying for occasionally when you come up and you hear me praying this many times, the last verse of Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy. Now you complete, you complete the verse. Come on. The last verse of Psalm 23. Are you ready to know? Surely goodness and love shall follow you and you will dwell in the house of the Lord Amen and amen. Surely, goodness and hasad is the same word, favor. Translated loving kindness, translated mercy, translated graciousness. Surely, goodness, the havil of God the virtue of God will follow you like a shadow everywhere you go, all the days of your life as you dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's eternality of the now. Eternal life begins now. It doesn't begin when you die. It is called the eternality of the now. That you live your life today with eternity in mind. That when, you, when the love of God, when the mercy of God, the goodness of God follows you, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, beginning now. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? I tell you, I'm going to crash this afternoon because all three services I give my all. Understand? So can I have the worship team on stage? What is the favor of God? One commentator explains this. You see, the favor of God is something more something done or granted out of goodwill. It cannot be earned. 
It's not because you are so smart or so, so, so gifted. No, it is a gift from God. It is given to you. It is preferential treatment. It is something bestowed as a token of love. It's because God loves you. He gives it to you. Favor is a divine force from heaven that envelops your life and draws blessing to you. Favor is more than just blessing, my friend. Why? Because blessing come, blessing go. You finish one blessing and you look for another blessing next year. Favor is more than the blessing. It's having the blessed soul with you. You understand what I'm saying? It's a state of blessedness that you can tap on it anytime. Because the one who gives you the blessing is with you. That's favor. And God says, I give it to you. But the greatest of all the powers is this. The power of love. Because love conquers all. When there is love, there is no fear. And this is what we need in Malaysia now. It is not hatred. It is not anger. It is not bitterness. It is not strife. The way to conquer the atmosphere of our nation is to sow love, love, love. And our nation will be transformed, understand? And what better season than to begin is a Christmas season? Because the greatest love story is Christmas. That's why Jesus came. God with us. It's the second of my quadrilogy. Bring your non-Christian friends. Emmanuel. God with us. And if God is with you, who can be against you? You tell me. This is the power of love. Understand? The power of love. And today, I'm going to close. Everybody close your eyes. Bow your heads with me. Hallelujah. Oh, Ramanda Katarada Sheri Katarada Sanda. First of all, I want to give you all the call for salvation. I know this is not yet Christmas. But I sense in my spirit that next week there will be a lot of salvations in many households. But today, if you have not yet given your life to Jesus Christ publicly and made a public confession of your faith. Today, when all heads are bowed, all eyes are closed, at a count of three, you raise your hands, say, Pastor, today, 
I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior and I would apologetically raise my hands so that not only Pastor Chu will see it, heaven will see it. So today, I'm going to give you an, an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as Savior. First time, at a count of three, you raise your hands. No compulsion, nothing at all. One. God says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let it be afraid. What are you afraid of? You tell me. God with us. God wants to be with you. But He cannot be with you until you receive Him as your Lord and your Saviour. I'll count to count to three. One, two. At the count of three, you raise your hands high enough for me to see. Three. Anyone. Anyone. Anyone? Yes, I see those hands. I see that hand, sir. I see that hand, sir. Thank you so much. I see, I see this hand on my left. Anybody, I see the hand on the back there. Anybody? I see the hand on my right. I see my hand. I see your hand. In the balcony, I see the hands. Oh, what a what a, that boy is only nine, ten years old, maybe. Thank you, thank you, child. Thank you so much. Anybody else in the balcony? Quite a number of you. In a short while, I'm going to open the altar. When you raise your hands, you come to my left, understand? And there'll be people praying with you, helping you. And, and if, if you come with a friend and that friend raises his hands, you come up with him or with her. And if that person has not, you ask him, can I come up with you? All right? The second altar call, I want to give for those of you so that you come forward together with these people to give them confidence. It's for those of you who wants to have a new beginning in your life, understand? You want the past to be the past, whatever it was in the past. Let go, man, let go. And let us come to God in the new beginning as we close this year so that 2023 is a new era of your life, a new chapter, a new phase of your life. You come, a new beginning. And the third one is for those of you who wants to make SIBKL your home church. You come. You come and make that choice today. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Let's all stand. Let's all stand. Oh, Ramanda Katarada. Even as I we sing this closing song, those of you who accepted Jesus, you come to my left. And anyone else who wants to come to be prayed for, a new beginning, a new in your life, you come as husband and wife, you come as a family, I don't know. You come on your own volition, understand? And those of you who want to make this church your home church today, you come as we sing this song. Amen. Hallelujah. I forgot the name, but whatever you just sing it. Amen. Oh, You know something? I, I, I see somebody in the auditorium. I won't mention his name. But you know, when the favor of God also includes the protection of God, understand? It's not only blessing, blessing, blessing. Even without you knowing it, God will protect you. And I hope he doesn't mind me saying this to you. I won't mention his name. But you know the landslide that happened in Patangkali? This person and his entire family was camping there 24 hours before the landslide took place. 
if they had stayed for another day they would have died they are here today but we pray for the victims understand it's sad but that's life when you and I are in the favor of God God will protect you God will bless your family it's not the way that we think understand it's not about money it's love joy peace these are the themes of Christmas that's why Jesus came my friend there are a lot of things that money can never buy and God says I give it to you I give it to you and your family for generations to generations take it receive it with a gratitude attitude and God will bless you even more amen so I want you all now to close your eyes as we close just spend a moment of quietness before God will you turn where you stand into a personal altar as we close the teaching of the year where you stand one on one connect with God will you do that church don't worry about what happened here pray for your family pray for your future pray for your work pray for your health pray He's a good God. He's a good God, my friend. He's a good God. Stretch our hands to the Lord as we close. Father God, our outstretched hands and arms, our hands of surrender, as we come to you humbly, we yield to the Almighty God, and we know, Lord, if we may face an unknown future. We have a known God, and it is into Your hands that we place our hands, knowing very well that because our hands is in Your hands, we are safe. You will guide us through storms of life. You will lead us by the Holy Spirit. You will protect us. No matter what we go through in the coming year, we know that you are a good God. And so, Father, we yield. And so, Father, we surrender. And so, Father, we close the year, seeking your face and rededicating our rededicating our lives once again to you with a fresh start. 
with a new beginning and let go of the past and say, oh God, we want to believe in you that no harm will come to us in 2023, not to me, not to our loved ones, not to my children. No, no, Lord, because you are a good God. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day, my friend. May the Lord make His face always to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the good Lord, He's a good God, my friend, the good Lord, always turn His face towards you and your loved ones and always, always grant you the shalom of God. The shalom of God. And all God's people say aloud. Hallelujah. God bless you all. Come and celebrate Christmas next week. Alright. If you have, do not bring a friend, come on the first or second service. Alright. Because the third service will be packed out. Understand? So if you have, do not bring a friend, come enjoy yourself. Come festing 8.30 service because it is the least crowded. Understand? God bless you. Let's prepare ourselves for Christmas next year next week God bless you